Good morning. It's May 26th. It's another bright and lovely morning in New York City, and this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. Stuart Rhodes, the founder and leader of the Oath Keepers organization, was sentenced to 18 years in prison for seditious conspiracy for planning and participating in the January 6th attack. Also yesterday, newly, if ineffectively, launched Republican presidential candidate Ron DeSantis continued his campaign of running against Donald Trump by saying he's for all the same stuff as Donald Trump, telling Clay Travis, who has apparently moved from being a failed football prognosticator to being a right-wing radio host, and whoever Clay Travis's co-host is, that he, Ron DeSantis, would, if elected president, have folks that will get together and look at all these cases, meaning the January 6th cases for possible pardons. The Washington Post quoted DeSantis in the interview as saying, We're going to find examples where that government has been weaponized against disfavored groups, and we will apply relief as appropriate. The Washington Post also reports that the Indiana doctor who went public with the news that she had had to perform an abortion on a 10-year-old rape victim shortly after Ohio's abortion ban went into effect has been fined $3,000 by the Indiana Medical Licensing Board on the pretext that her remarks somehow violated the privacy of her patient. The Washington Post's own fact-checker columnist, Glenn Kessler, of course, had been one of the leading voices demanding a greater violation of the patient's privacy on the grounds that the child's age and condition were not enough to identify her by, and therefore the -the on-the-record statement of the doctor who had done the procedure was not enough to justify a news story about a true and newsworthy event. The licensing board came at it from the other direction, claiming too much information was available rather than too little. But the upshot, whether it's Glenn Kessler or the attorney general who demanded this investigation, is that people shouldn't hear about the damage that abortion bans have done and will continue to do. Justice Samuel Alito yesterday, writing for the majority of the Supreme Court, declared that when Congress gave the Environmental Protection Agency authority to enforce the Clean Water Act, on wetlands adjacent to the waters of the United States, the word adjacent, written by Congress into the text of the law, should really have been adjoining Samuel Alito's preferred word, which would restrict the law to only wetlands that have a continuous surface connection to the other waters in question. Because, of course, water and the pollution that's in the water can only flow from a wetland into those protected waters if they are linked as a single body of water. Water can't flow underground or spill over occasionally from one into the other. That's not what water does in Samuel Alito's world. It doesn't flow. This was so dumb that even Brett Kavanaugh couldn't stomach it. Nevertheless, it was the word of the majority, and a whole lot of water just got excluded from the Clean Water Act. In better Supreme Court news, the court did rule unanimously that despite the best efforts of Leading liberal Supreme Court lawyer Neil Cattell, his client, Hennepin County, Minnesota, was in the wrong when it seized the house of a 94-year-old woman for $15,000 in back taxes, sold it for $40,000, and pocketed not only the $15,000, but the extra $25,000 from the sale. Since the meanest members of the Supreme Court are strongly committed to the idea that property rights trump any kind of government activity, there was no constituency at all for the idea that this particular form of ripoff was anything but an unconstitutional abuse. That is the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Indignity. Do it. Hit that little button. Send us money to keep us going. Have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend, and we will talk again on Tuesday.